You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about book-to-movie adaptations and interviewing author Shrivani Basu. But first, what are you reading, Bria? I'm reading Lives of the Monster Dog. <gasps> by you on this very show. Uh, I can't remember which episode it was. Dogs with Hands. It was one of the early episodes. Yeah, it was. Um, It's written by Kirsten Bacchus. Um, It came out in 1997, but it was re-released recently. Yeah. Although I'm reading it in ebook form, so it could possibly be the 1997 version. I'm actually not totally sure, but it's amazing. It's about... It's so... It's like so Bria. If you didn't hear the earlier episode, I'll just do a quick recap because... Obviously, if you did, you already know what this book is about, but it's about a bunch of dogs that uh, have been turned into basically mad science experiments uh, in a small town in Canada. They were created to be the perfect soldiers by giving them voice boxes and hands. Which is just, that's Bria's dream. And then they all escape and move to New York City. And they meet a woman who documents what's going on with them. And so it's sort of from both of their points of view. And I just read an entire chapter that is a sort of play sonnet about their lives. It's really fantastic. And they're very proper and wear, you know, fur coats over their fur Which is very bodies. strange. And it's it's really fantastic. Um, it's, it's very fantastical, but surprisingly, like, set in a reality. Yeah, you, know you can I mean? totally see it. I mean, it, it's the way that it's written is in a way that you're like, ah, oh, this is how I would react if I saw a dog with hands walking down the street. Yeah, they were literally like, like the woman who is a human who's writing about them is like, oh, it's kind of weird that... No one stares at us in the park because people have kind of gotten used to the ideas of the monster dogs living among them. But it is sort of also still disturbing that there's a dog with hands and a cane and a, like a top hat and a monocle like <laughs> walking down the street. Anyway, it's great for I as a dog lover and uh, and fantasy I, sci-fi person. This is pretty right of right in my wheelhouse. Yeah, this is a very Bria book. I didn't even know to put this in my wheelhouse. I didn't even know that I needed to say. Dogs with, dogs with hands. Add that to the Bria wheelhouse. Dogs with hands. What are you reading, Mallory? I am reading a book called Broken Harbor by Tana French, who is my favorite crime writer. She's an Irish crime writer, and she writes these stories that are like sort of almost true detective-y. They're like these like really, really compelling crime mysteries, but there's just like the hintiest hint of maybe supernatural in there. This is the fourth book of hers that I read, and I just, I love it. Every single book she's ever read is just incredible. And this one is about uh, there's a murder case. The, there's a detective taking on this murder and the entire family has been killed. The parents and the uh, the kids. But that when they're investigating and they're like looking through the house and cleaning everything up, they see there's holes punched in the walls and there's video cameras set up in front of every single hole. Ugh. And they are like, what the? what the fuck is what's going on here so they're trying to figure out the murder but also how the holes are connected and it, they finally find this giant trap that was set up in the attic and the, what, 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 what were they trying to catch is it related to the murder it is so good I if, and if you are if you're interested in getting into Tana French you should start with In the Woods which is her first one and it is incredible and I love her amazing so we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Uh, Amanda wrote in about our book types episode. I am a librarian and I love when patrons ask me for help finding something to read. These are probably most librarians' favorite type of patron interactions. A lot of us actually take classes in library school on how to give readers advisory so we know our stuff. That is so cool. Yeah. And when people ask us for help finding books, it's honestly a breath of fresh air from answering questions like, how do I print for my email and where's the bathroom? Readers, please utilize your libraries and librarians. 
We co-signed this. Yeah. Did you know when I worked in the library in high school, we got the internet while I was working there? That's how Whoa. old I am. <laughs> also, it was a small town. But we converted all of the card catalog to an internet, to a, like a computer database. But also, we had all these computers, and I constantly had to teach people to set up emails. That was like Whoa. one of my things, because I was young and learned to set up They're emails They're like, you must know people. this stuff. I didn't really. I, I actually didn't. I didn't really learn much about email <laughs> until like a senior in high school slash freshman in college because <laughs> I am 35 years old. So Kelsey wrote in to tell us about book apps she loves. We're doing a whole episode about this, but we wanted to shout out one uh, Kelsey told us about specifically that we had never heard of. Yeah, I had never heard of this. And she writes in to say, it's called Book Out. I really love this one because I can track the reading I'm doing. I'm not sure how this could be used with ebooks as I mostly read physical books, but I'm sure there's a way. You start by finding the book that you're reading. It will show you the number of pages in the book. And if that's incorrect, it's easy to just change the number. Then you track when you read. You tell it when you begin and end a reading session and what page you ended on. And it gives you stats for each individual reading session. When you finish the book, it gives you a nifty little infographic detailing your reading stats for the book. I love being able to track my reading speed and seeing the overall time I I've taken to finish a book. It even helps you set and reach reading goals. This is like my run app, but for reading. Yeah. Oh, it is kind of like a run app. Yeah. Which this is kind of cool. It is kind of cool. It makes you feel very athletic for reading. Yeah. For me, I feel like it would stress me out because it would be like too much of of a strict... Like, this is what's happening day in and day out with you. I feel like that the keeping all of the numbers, sometimes I get too obsessed with it and I have to, like, stay away from a lot of numbers. Like, I can't actually look at my step count every day. It makes me too, like... Yeah, if stuff like that stresses you out, this is not good. But but. it is, but it's a cool idea if you're trying to keep track of your reading. Yeah, if you're trying to do, like, 100 pages a day or something, it's like a Fitbit for your eyes, which sounds weirder now that I said that out loud. Fitbit for your Your eyes, eyes. which is uh, the best kind of Fitbit there is. (laughs) That's terrifying sounding. So you can send your feedback to us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle, who runs our Facebook group. Go over there and check it out to get some great reading suggestions. And Chrissy and Rachel, who moderate our Goodreads page. Before we talk about book adaptations, we're going to take a quick break. Libby, the new app from Overdrive, is the best way to get thousands of free ebooks and audiobooks from your local library 24 7 from anywhere in the world. Yeah, but we've talked about this on the past in the podcast, and we really, really like we both it. Li- I use Libby literally every day. It is amazing. I love it. it works with your public library. All you need is uh, your library card, and then you can go in there and you can reserve books. It tells you how long you're going to be waiting for a book. If you're on hold, it tells you how long you have the book for and it returns them automatically. It's really great and it's super user friendly. It's wicked easy to use. And September is library card sign up month. So there's never been a better time for you to rediscover how freaking great your public library is through wonderful apps like Libby. You can download Libby today or learn more about the app at meet.libbyapp.com. Yeah, we really suggest it. We would be talking about it even if they weren't advertising with us. Download Libby today or learn more about the app at meet.libbyapp.com. There is a new series of Star Trek coming out, and MaximumFun.org has submitted to our blackmail and agreed to host a new show on the network. We're calling it The Greatest Discovery. We've got photographs. We have recordings. (laughs) We have web browser history on everyone at Maximum Fun. Those are the things that have allowed us to have a second Star Trek show on Maximum Fun. There's no way they're happy about this, but we will be recapping every episode of Star Trek Discovery, all 15 of them as they come out over the fall and winter, 
And uh, we hope you'll join us by going to MaximumFun.org and looking for the greatest discovery or looking for it wherever you download podcasts. So this week, we're talking about what happens when a book gets brought to the big screen. Or if you're an indie filmmaker, maybe a little screen. <laughs> Just a tiny screen on your computer. Just a little. Just whatever you get from iTunes. <laughs> whatever you're watching your uh, your Netflix on. This can be a really big reader dilemma. People email us about this all the time. Do you read the book first? Do you have to? Should you wait for the movie or TV show to come out? Both of us make movies. Are we biased about this process? Probably. Probably a little bit. Hey, Mallory, do you want to know some movies that were based on books that might surprise you? Yes. Die Hard. What? Is based on a book called Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe. No shit. Yeah. Forrest Gump. Oh, I knew that. Did you know that? Yeah. Based on a book by Forrest Gump by Winston Grimm. And Parent Trap. What? Is based on a German book called Lisa and Lottie by Eric Katzner. That's, That's weird, right? Weird. Die Hard. Isn't that strange? No shit. Yeah, I mean, what was the Die Hard book like? I, I guess like, it's probably loosely based. My guess is it's loosely based. Yeah, yeah. now I'm really curious. I, gotta I don't go. think it's a, a word for word. <laughs> Very Thank weird. You. So, Bria, when a movie, you, you find out a movie's getting adapted, everyone has kind of like a way of, of handling it. What is your way to do it? Well, I'm kind of a FOMO person. I, I, I have that problem. So I do try to read the book first if I know a movie version is coming out of something that I will want to see. I kind of want to be the person. I want to be the jerk that's like, I read it before the movie was good. <laughs> Bria's, Bria likes to do things before it was cool. I do like to do things before it was cool, and I like to tell people all the details about it that weren't in. I like to walk out of the movie theater and go, pushing well, your glasses up. Pushing your glasses up. Like, I actually want to be that person. <laughs> Which I think makes me an asshole. Well, actually, I am. I re- I do like to compare and contrast the book, though, um, with the movie. I like to be the person who can go, "Oh, that was better in the movie," or "Is explained better in the movie," and here's how it was explained in the movie. And that's all really exciting for me to tell other people because I'm that jerk. But also just to know for my own cliff benefit. notes, mo- um, movie extras with Bria Grant. But I find that I'm still surprised, even if I've read the book beforehand. It doesn't ruin anything for me. Well, because um, you are Bria. Because I'm a Bria, but also because. Movies change things. I mean, yeah. that's what art's about, right? You yeah. can't, it's a reinterpretation of the book. So um, I read The Story of Your Life, which is what Arrival is based on, and but was so swept up in the movie, I actually forgot what the ending was, which that's is pretty a really cool. important ending. Yeah. And I was really surprised. But maybe this is all because I'm like, I don't care about spoilers because maybe my memory is so bad that I'm like, I don't remember what that book is about, but I'm going to watch the movie and be equally surprised by the book and the movie. I have no idea. But there are some things I don't do. it. Like, I didn't read It before it came out, which is a real surprise for me, except that I haven't read much Stephen yeah. King, so I, that makes sense. And I was thinking about going back and reading it. It's a it's a doorstop of a book. That's not a book that you're like, hmm, maybe I'll just go back and reread it really quick before the movie comes out. I never will go back and read it. I'll be real with you. Like, I will think about it. And if may- maybe I'll go back and read it before the next one comes out, that would inspire me to do it. But for some reason, if I've seen the movie, it's hard for me to go backwards and read the book. Yeah. Uh, well, mm. I don't know why. Okay, what's your system, Mallory? Because I used to be, I used to be the person who was like, I have to read the book before the movie comes out. But I uh, now, I, I guess I don't think you have to. 
because sometimes sometimes a movie coming out is a good push to read a book that you've been meaning to read for a while. Like it's been on your TBR and all of a sudden you're like, oh, the movie's coming out. I have to read it. So that, sometimes that's good. But I, I just don't think it's a hard rule. I generally try to read the book first for a couple of reasons. Because so one, I like to have I like to at least give myself a shot at forming like what, what the characters look like for me, because before I see the cast and they're sort of set in stone in my head. And two, I like to get the book before they release the movie cover of it. <laughs> oh, that's actually really good. Yeah. Because then they change it and all of a sudden it's, you know, mm. uh, I don't know, Elijah Wood's on the cover. Yeah. And that, no no offense to Elijah Wood, he has gorgeous eyes. But like, <laughs> but, but I, hey, I but it is like very different than, yeah. you know. The Lord of the Rings original cover. Yes. Well, I assume. I don't know what the original cover of that looks like, but I assume it's cool. Oh, there's so many because there's so many versions. Right, sure. One of my most prized possessions is my uh, my favorite book ever is Stardust by Neil Gaiman, and I have the trade paperback of that before the movie came out. I fucking hate that movie so and much. It, and then is the, is the cover... The new the new cover yeah, is the movie like, cover. Because the movie didn't do that well. But yeah, they because still it's a fucking that... piece of garbage. And do they still use that cover later? Like, do, if the movie I think doesn't so. do so well, they're still like, but remember the movie? Yeah. Like, yeah. This is what these people look like you're reading about. And I mean, I don't think there's any shame in having the movie cover a book, especially if, like if you love the adaptation. One of my many copies of Lord of the Rings actually has Ian McKellen's Gandalf on the cover because my grandfather had gotten it, gotten it for me, and I just love it. Um, but I like getting the first version better because it, you know, I I keep my idea of what the characters look like, and I keep my, all of my stuff in my head, and I get can kind of if I don't have the movie cover, I can kind of separate them easily. But you know what? As a like as I've gotten older and experienced more life, there are some books I'm actually glad I watched the movie first. Michael Faber's Under the Skin. Oh. Uh, which was is a book? Yeah, yeah. It's one of my favorite. I love Under the Skin. It's such a good indie horror movie. Scarlett Johansson is incredible. But it, it was a book, and it's. I'm so glad that I read. I watched the movie first because the book is goes so much so farther into it. And but it is. It's kind of a weird, confusing concept. I'm not going to spoil anything here um, for it, all the Bria's I, listening. Listen, you could literally explain the whole plot of that movie. I don't think it would give away anything because it's so confusing. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm glad I saw the movie first. She walks into a room. It's full. You can walk through the floor. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, there's naked people. There's naked people. You don't understand anything. Also, shout out to my friend Matt Abrams for suggesting that I read the book afterwards. Oh, yeah. Um, But the book's different. Yes, the book is totally different. I think I like the book more because I saw the movie. And honestly, all of my favorite books that have been made into movies, I hate the movies. So I don't. I really, like I hate them, hate them, hate them, and except for Lord of the Rings. But I think it's possible to separate the art if you need to or want to. I don't think there's anything wrong with hopping on the bandwagon and reading something when the movie's out. Because being part of the buzz is kind of fun. Like if you read a book right before the movie comes out or right after, you're like swept up in it. Because I know, and I, I'm sure our listeners are like this, if you watch a movie that is so evocative and you can't stop thinking about it and you want to go see it again... You want to be part of that world more and get, going and reading the book and getting more in the characters' heads and getting more of the backstory. That can be really fun. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, if, if it's a movie that you love and you just want more of it. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally. sure when the first Lord of the Rings came out, people started reading oh, God, all yeah. the other Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure the same thing with Harry Potter. The first oh, Harry absolutely. Potter came out, I bet everybody started reading the rest of the books. Yeah. So I don't think there's anything to be ashamed. It, as, as fun as it is to be that person where you're like, ah, I know everything that's going to happen. But, it, you know, it's. That's me. That's me. I know it. I know it's going to <laughs> it is kind of nice to be like, okay, cool. Now, now that I know all, of, especially if you're looking for that detail, if you already have the basic plot from the movie in your head, when you read the book, you can absorb more of it because you're not, you already know what's going to happen. So you can kind of get all the little details. And so my advice on this is to just not worry. Don't feel pressured to read something before it comes out before or after, because if you're feeling overbooked, 
Don't worry about it. Overbooked. That's my is new that term. Quote? Is that in quotes? That's my new word for when you have too many books. Don't you get have to overbooked. Read. Do you want to know, like you, some authors who hated the movie adaptations of their book? Yes, please. P.L. Tra- Travers, Travers, Mary Poppins. They made a movie about their her hatred of Mary Poppins called Saving Mr. Banks. Oh, with did Tom you Hanks. See that movie? With Tom Hanks. Yeah, it's a good movie. I haven't seen it, but I she, love Tom she Hanks. did not like the the version of her movie. That's her, really funny her, of her book. Um, Stephen King, The Shining. I knew this um, because, uh, to be fair, The Shining is is an incredible movie, but it's not a good adaptation. Yeah, which I think is the problem with a lot of these is that these are good movies. Mary Poppins is a good movie, but it probably just isn't doesn't stay true to the book. I never read the book. And I never read The Shining either, obviously, because Stephen King. Stephen King. But in the book, the hotel itself is really evil, and he felt that Kubrick made it more about the relationship between the couple. Yeah, and which is true. Yeah. So and he also didn't like Jack Nicholson's performance, which what? I don't know if that's just rumor, but I saw it on the internet, and what? I can link to it. <laughs> but but cool. yeah, so I guess it's just very different, which I totally understand. Yeah. Um, Anne Rice interview with a vampire. Oh, she didn't like the casting, but then after she she was like, "I don't know how this is gonna work. How in the world is Brad Pitt gonna carry a movie?" And then as it turned out, she <laughs> she's the like, end, "Oh, that's how he's gonna do it." Okay, by the end, he came, she came around to it. Uh, well, because yeah, he's amazing in that movie. And then also Forrest Gump. He literally the sequel to Forrest Gump. He hadn't written it when Forrest Gump came out. You may already know this. Yeah. And the sequel comes out, and it starts with "Don't ever let nobody make a movie of your life story." And Groom during this time was suing for his portion of the profits which he didn't think he had received which may have influenced his anger that might be part of it yeah but I just thought it was really funny that he took it out on them like in the sequel I think that's the thing that you have to remember that's hard especially when you love something and again I understand because all of my like Stardust Stardust is a fairy tale written specifically for adults it's a fairy tale with sex and gore and they turned it into a family friendly movie which to me just sort of like took the soul out of it which really bothered me but it's hard to remember Remember that it's an adaptation, its own different piece of art. They're totally separate things. And when you love something, sometimes that's really hard to do. Like when I went into that theater to see Stardust, I was so excited for this movie and I was just like, I must separate. You have to like get a stick a crowbar in your brain and like remember that it's somebody <laughs> else's adaptation. It's someone else's thought of what this is going to be. So because of that, because they're separate, I don't think that there's a hard rule. And I think people should just not worry about it just as much. Buy, just buy a crowbar so you can separate your brain. Yeah. Sticks. We're going to have a starter pack for our reading glasses. <laughs> it's going to include a crowbar. <laughs> a book a, brush. A book brush and a bunch of snacks. Yes. <laughs> reading glasses starter pack. Um, so should we give people some ideas of movies that are going to come out this year? If yes. people want to go ahead, beat the crowd, read yes. them. So if you, you want to be a Bria. If you want to be a Bria and be the asshole at the movie theater, is like, I've already read the book. I've read the book. <laughs> like uh, with your lips really close to their ear, like, I know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here, here's, a couple of, uh, here's a couple of movies. The Mountain Between Us, which I have not heard of, by Charles Martin, with starring Idris Elba and Kate Winslet. Yeah, it's about they get stuck on a mountain. But then it's also about their relationship. In the mountains between them somehow. It's both a metaphor and a real mountain. Wow. Actually, that sounds kind of cool. Let It Snow. By John Green. Which is a Christmas movie. John Green, Maureen Johnson, who I'm a huge fan of, and Lauren Miracle. That's going to be a Christmas movie. Murder on the Orient Express by Agatha Christie. And uh, (laughs) ugh! Sounds like you're doing that about... Murder on the Orient no. Express, but you're not, because there's a no. list in front of you that you're doing that about. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I'm taking two in a row, but Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer. This is the number one movie I'm excited about. Yeah, I'm excited about it, too. And if you like horror books, this is definitely worth reading. We've talked about Annihilation on the show the before. The problem with that book is you kind of got to read the whole series, because it ends and you're like, wait, what? 
Yeah. And then you go, oh, and then you read this next book and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a hard series to read because there's only three of them and the first one's only 180 something pages. But this, I'm very excited. You should all read this book anyway. Even if the movie wasn't coming out, it's so good. And The Glass Castle by Jeanette Walls. Which I have not read, but I've heard it's really good. I've heard it's really good too and I want to see it. Oh, it's isn't, who's in it? Ah, uh, somebody it's, I like. It's, uh, uh, it's, uh, oh, Brie Larson, is that right? Yes. And, um, uh, Matthew McConaughey. No, uh, fucking, uh, blah, blah, blah. Woody Harrelson. Woody, uh, Woody Harrelson. Yes, I love him. Woody Harrelson. We're interested in hear your book to movie systems or movie to book systems. If you are novelizations are a whole different thing. Well. So you can send them to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we talk to author Shivani Basu, writer of Victorian Abdul, which is now a movie, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, this is Griffin McElroy. Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. And we've got a new podcast on Maximum Fun called Wonderful. Wonderful. It's an enthusiast podcast where we talk about things that we're excited about and things that you're excited about. Things like overalls. 24-hour Sudafed. The grand prize game. The fact that wombats use their butts to kill predators. The soundtrack to the movie Dick Tracy. The beach potion we call Bud Light Line. All these things and more every Wednesday. And we'll also talk about things that you're excited about. You can find us on MaximumFun.org or iTunes or wherever. I don't know. Just search Wonderful. Google it, you'll probably get there. Okay, so we are here with author Shribani Basu, writer of the book Victoria and Abdul, which just got turned into a movie. Thank you so much for coming on the show. So what what can you tell what is what is Victoria and Abdul actually about? Um, so Victoria is Queen Victoria. She's Empress of India, and she's celebrating her golden jubilee. And this is where Abdul Karim comes in. He's a 24-year-old clerk from Agra jail, Agra in India. And uh, he is sent to her as a present for her golden jubilee. So he's sent along with another servant. Uh, both of them are sent just to look exotic, wear exotic clothes, uh, stand behind her at table and represent uh, the Indian Empire. Uh, but very quickly, from being something very ornamental, uh, this relationship grows. And uh, he soon becomes her closest confidant. It causes a storm in the court. So the book is all about you know, their relationship and the storm that it is causing in the court. And it lasts for 13 years uh, till she dies. So we always like to ask the people come on, coming on our show, what are you reading right now? Um, I'm reading a book on Calcutta, actually. It's a mem- It's a sort of uh, travel writing on Calcutta. Uh, it's called, oh dear, I forget the name of the book, but it's a city about, it's a book about Calcutta, which is the city I was born in. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's written by an Indian author, yeah. So uh, Victoria Abdul is obviously very, very well researched. You spent a lot of time... Um, you were working on it for four years. When how how was the process when it, it got interested? People got interested in making it a film. Were you surprised? Were you excited? Were you, what, what was your reaction to that? Um, this happened. Uh, the office for the film came from many studios, and this happened immediately after the book was published. Uh, so there were like six or seven studios, I think, bidding for it. Uh, but I went with uh, the joint bid by Lee Hall, who is the screenplay writer of the film. And a working title, because I like Lee Hall's work. And the screenplay writer was going to be the most important person because he was going to, he or she was going to distill this book and, you know, turn it into a film. Uh, so I went with their bid and it was very exciting. It, 
it took a long time, but slowly things fell into place. Uh, then I heard Stephen Frears was directing it, which was wonderful. And finally, I was told uh, Judy Dench has accepted. And that was like the icing on the cake. Yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> so what, what people who um, have seen the movie, if they go back and read the book, what are they going to find that's different between the book and the movie? Um, it's the same story. It begins like the book does in Agra. It ends in Agra. So it is all the plot points are the same. But some have just been twisted a little bit or, you know, slightly altered. But um, everything is there. And some of it is, um, even the little anecdotes he's put in, like, you know, there's a story, the mangoes that Queen Victoria couldn't get. I mean, that is a true story. And uh, I love that little angle that she could never eat a mango. And he's put it in the film. And, uh, you know, you need Judy Dench to say the lines the way she does. And uh, it just works brilliantly. So, no, we do have everything. I mean, certain things, because you have to have artistic creative license for a film. So certain things are changed. Uh, slightly but yes he, he did kiss her feet and you know the letters did get burnt there is a strike all the main points are all there so you, uh, it sounds like it was really exciting and it was a good feeling for you to see your your story come to life via mm -hmm. the hand of another writer on screen of course yeah I mean I think he's done a brilliant work it's it's funny it's uh, it's funny and it's sad and it brings out the layers of racism, the class conflicts, without it being, you know, overly in your face. It's there happening in the background and we can see it. It's it's told very subtly. And uh, of course, by the end, it's, you know, it, it gets quite sad by the end. Uh, so this whole episode that we're doing is all about book to film adaptations. Do you right. have your own system of when a book comes out um, or a movie comes out from a book that you loved? Do you always first do you watch the movie first or does it not matter uh no if it if it's a book i know very well it's like you know an austin adaptation obviously i know the book very well and then i go to see the movie uh and then you know one decides which was whether it worked for that film or not um but if there is sometimes it does happen that you go back to the book um and read the book after the film is out i have done that on occasions as well so what are your reading habits like um, I read a lot of nonfiction, more than I read fiction, I must say. Uh, but uh, I do enjoy fiction too. It's just balancing everything. There's so little time in the day. So I read at night. I just like to, and on holiday or on flights, I like to read. So where where can we find you online for fans that are interested in, in finding more about you? Um, I'm on Twitter. Um, and I have a website. But I'm not very active on social media apart from the twitter feed which is there so or they can email me uh, oh, cool. I, I do reply to emails i get a lot of emails and i do reply to them so they could contact me on twitter or uh, my email i bet you've got a lot more emails since people since this this was made into a movie <laughs> a lot of emails and then also my other books which is five princess the life of nurinad khan I get lots of emails on, on that particular book with people doing history projects who want to contact me, who want details. Uh, and it's very nice. I do take the time to reply to them because I feel these stories are very important. This was a story about a Second World War, a secret agent in the Second World War. And she was an Indian princess. Uh, her mother was American. Her father was Indian. And um, it's an incredible story. She was awarded the George Cross. And very few people knew about her. And uh, well, so I wrote her biography some years ago, and 
it's led to so much interest in her life. I get letters from all over the world, students wanting to do projects, um, dissertations, essays, exhibitions. So <laughs> I, I do reply to those emails. Nice, nice. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Now we're going to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Cass writes in, Do you have any advice for readers having a hard time focusing on reading in loud or distracting environments? Do you have any advice for passengers reading on turbulent car trips? Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> this is really impressive to me. I am basically, Cass, I think you're a superhero if you can read on a turbulent car trip. I take Dramamine on a plane. On a car, on a car trip across Los Angeles. If she sometimes. walks too fast. <laughs> I have to take Dramamine for everything, which means that I do read on planes, but a lot of times I'm reading in like a Dramamine haze. Um, and I'm definitely not reading Is that in why a car. you read so many space books? Because you're like, whoa. <laughs> it's like just shocking to my body. You're like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like basically like everybody I went to college with, with who smoked too much weed, but I'm. Anyway, if the Dramamine doesn't put me to sleep, then I try to read, but it's not necessarily the distracting environment that is the problem for me. It's the, it's the car sickness. It's the motion sickness. One thing I do on a plane, which I love, or if I'm just trying to get through something, is I will put my phone on airplane mode. Because I do find that sometimes I just go and pick up my phone for no goddamn reason. Yeah, I know. It's, I it's, just an, it's, just it's, my, it's my fifth limb, and I'll and, just pick it up. Right, or someone will text me, and I'll, read, and I'll be reading, and I'm trying to get through something, and then someone will text me. So if I put it on airplane mode, then I will not do that, and I'll get through whatever I'm trying to to read and also I won't just randomly pick it up and check Instagram and be like what is what are all these cats doing being what are cute cats doing right now because you don't need to know all of that while you're mid book do I yeah you I mean but you guys spoiler alert my cats are always being cute <laughs> always being cute it's weird your cats don't have their own Instagram they should so it's, it's a whole nother Instagram account you have to keep up with though the ten Instagram it. phenomenon I know I can make it start making some money off my cats that was a major side note anyway for loud places <laughs> For me, I, I don't usually like reading in a loud place, like a coffee shop. If I can avoid it, I will. Uh, sometimes I go and if I just am having trouble being awake and I know I need to read a script or something like that. But for a book, I don't find it very relaxing. I do enjoy reading in a quiet place, like a library. That's like a really nice place to go and try to read. Or anywhere that's a little bit quieter than some sort of loud coffee shop. That's terrible advice. Basically, I'm like, don't do what you're doing. Just stop doing that. Maybe stop that. Become a mole person like that. That just seems really difficult to do. I also enjoy... The one thing I will do if I'm in a coffee shop is I'll go read outside the coffee shop. But I also live in Los Angeles. I was going to say, we live in Southern California. So I can just go outside and do it. We're spoiled. Do you have better advice for this? My advice is like, I don't know. What's what's it like to read on a... You're a superhero. Uh, well, so I don't get motion sickness. I could I could be in the middle of World War Three on a spiraling jet, and I could read because um, that's the only thing I'm that's the only thing I'm good at. Uh, but my advice for both of these problems is get out your headphones. Uh, if you're in a distracting environment, uh, if you're in advice. a if you're in a coffee shop, if you're wherever, um, I have three or four different curated Pandora like instrumental Pandora stations. I have one for scary books. I have one for dramatic books. I have one for lighthearted books, and it's just like classical music. Uh, movie scores it's just like nice white noise to like sort of cancel out everything else you, you can't have like Wait, do you use actual white noise it's like no 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 because that it makes me feel like I'm going insane oh, um, but I just that. wow yeah. that's the, I don't know that freaks me out I feel like like all of a sudden voices are going to come out of it and I love it that's I read too many horror books <laughs> uh, but yeah you just it, it just sort of cancels it out and lets you focus a little bit more and nothing with lyrics nothing with people talking my advice if you're on a turbulent car trip or you're on a plane trip and you get car sick Ooh. try an audiobook you know just put uh-huh. like you know put your headphones in lean your head against not a stranger 
yeah. maybe the window, yeah, or your little weird head pillow thing if you have one. That way you can sort of just like close your eyes. Judgmental of head pillows, Mallory. <laughs> Judgmental of weird head pillows. <laughs> Looks, it makes you look like a mushroom. Uh, <laughs> you can, you know, so you can close your eyes. You can Ralph in a bag, like whatever you need to do, and still be getting books in your ears. So there it's you great. Go. That's really good advice. Headphones, headphones, headphones for both. Did you know that they're readers' best, uh, readers' best friend? And that we'll have to add them to the reader reading glasses starter pack. Yeah, the starter pack. You get <laughs> some headphones. Some headphones also to listen to things. We're not sending you an iPhone though. Too expensive. Way too expensive. We need we need more sponsors for that. <laughs> if you want us to solve your bookish problems, you can send them to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And now we're going to leave you with this episode's book connection, a way to connect with other readers online with the use of this week's hashtag. And this week, it's hashtag book adaptations. Tweet us your favorite book adaptations. We want to hear from you guys about the ones that you love. We'll post ours. You can also... If you really feel the need, you can tell us about the ones that made you angry. We can commiserate about Stardust. I'm there with you. You know what? And I feel bad because I'm sure it's a fun movie and I just hate on it unnecessarily because it's my favorite book of all time and I've read it like 50 times. I'm sorry, Robert De Niro. Have your sorry, Michelle Pfeiffer. Have your movie. But if you want to talk about how disappointing it is, you know, just use the hashtag book adaptation and I'm, I'm there with you. So if you like the show, please rate and review it on iTunes. I know we say it every week, but it actually really helps us to get found, and it helps us to reach more readers. Listeners can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast or on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. You can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag readingglasses. So thanks for listening. And and thanks thanks for reading. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.